Thank you, Francis, for that uh, reading. Shall we, um, shall we just pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it, for our life, for our situation, for our future. And we just pray that as we look a little bit deeper into some of these heroes of the faith, as we, we call them, we would realize that the core and underpinning everything is God. The power of God, the presence of God. So we just pray that you'd open our ears and our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so if you don't know me, I'm Kate's husband. <laughs> if you don't know Kate, yeah, probably in trouble. But I think everyone knows Kate. I wonder, um, can I be honest this morning? We've done kind of six or seven weeks. Michael's going, no. Oh, you can't hear? Can you hear this? Nothing? Right, hang on a minute. How about this? Can you hear that? You realise this means I'm going to have to stand still. Yeah, okay, let's try it. So, for the last six or seven weeks, we've been looking at the heroes of the faith. And I wonder how relatable they have been to us. I wonder how relatable we feel when we stand up against someone who's considered a hero. I wonder if perhaps they've just seemed like we've been looking at people who are really famous in terms of scripture and who are really amazing and who God used because they were awesome. I think sometimes we can be guilty of searching for the awesome and overlooking the ordinary. Because I want to suggest that at their heart, the men and women that we've been looking at, the men and women that we label as heroes of the faith, are actually fairly ordinary people whom God has done extraordinary things through. And that's a really important principle that I hope we can grab this morning. I want to use Paul's passage to his friend and co-worker, Timothy, um, to try and draw out a couple of principles that I see in what was written there but. Also, I saw in the lives of the others that we've looked at and apply them to those that would maybe not consider themselves heroes. Now, I was going to ask the question. The fact that I've said I was going to ask the question means I'm now going to ask the question. But I was going to ask the question, who here considers themselves a hero? But I realise that most of you are British, so you would never say yes. Right? But that's normal, isn't it? Who identifies themselves as heroic? No one does. You identify others as heroic, don't you? But anyway, three principles. I'll try and be brief. What are we on? Okay. Principle one. Our past does not negate 
God's present. There's a little play on words there about God's present, but, you know. Paul, you'll notice, acknowledges that he had a past. He was a blasphemer. He was a violent man, and he was a persecutor of those who loved Jesus. Paul had a past. In fact, he goes on to say, I'm going to paraphrase it, he goes on to say, I bring nothing to the table. I'm the chief of sinners. But that past did not negate God's presence. Because God poured out upon Paul his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. We may be sitting here this morning. In fact, I'm sure we're all sitting here and we all have a past. And you know, sometimes that past can make it a little bit difficult for us in the present. And sometimes the past can deter us from stepping out in the future. But what we see is that Paul recognised that his past, as bad as it was, was no match for God's present. You know, oftentimes I think actually it's not, that, it's not that our past can't be dealt with by God, it's that it can't be forgotten by us. And that's what holds us back. Because God can, look what he did with Paul. I mean, honestly, you know, I often think that those, well, that scripture talks about it, doesn't it? When, when Paul was confronted by Jesus, and then after that, can you imagine how people would have wanted to avoid him, knowing what he'd been like? Because you see, it's not just us that knows our past, is it? Often it's others that know our past. And that can be a kind of a, a problem for everyone. We can find our past hard to let go of. But you know what? With God we can. And we should. I'll give you a little, give you a little um, just a quick recap of the last six or seven weeks. So far we've seen God deal with those who are unfaithful, who are ignorant, who are adulterers, who are violent, who are blasphemers, who are murderers, who are racists, who are cowards, who are liars, who lacked faith. And that's only the heroes of the faith. I mean, really? Isn't that why it's called good news? Because whatever it is your past is, whatever it is that is sometimes that little voice in your head saying, I know who you really are. God says, I can deal with it. 
Principle one, our past does not negate God's present. Principle two, heroes never seem to be equipped for the task. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that over the last few weeks? Abraham was an old man, and I mean old man, who was called to be the father of the nations. Moses was not at all eloquent, and he was called to stand before Pharaoh. Jonah was called to a people group that he despised and reviled. Noah wasn't a shipbuilder. Why wasn't he a shipbuilder? Well, God told him how to do it, and I'm guessing because God told him how to build the ark, he didn't know himself. David was a shepherd boy whose armour didn't fit, and he was called to go to war. Paul was a religious zealot and follower of the law, yet was called to teach grace and mercy, hope and forgiveness to both Jew and Gentile. You may not feel that you are equipped this morning. You may not feel that you have the confidence or the knowledge to stand and to be used by God. Well, let me say this. God is able. And all we need to do is believe that. Someone said to me once, many, many years ago, someone said, um, God desires your availability. He doesn't need your ability. God desires your availability. He doesn't need your ability. I mean, I had to come to terms with God's already got worship leaders in heaven. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need another guitarist. He wants my life. He wants, me, he wants someone who'll stand up and say, here I am, use me. Because all these people we talk about, you know, we, we hold them in such esteem, and I'm, it's right that we do. But, you know, even if you just look at someone like Noah, at so many levels, Noah was just so inadequate. Yeah? I mean, honestly. But God did what God does in those who are not interested in being the centre of attention. Because that's what they all shared in common. They didn't need to be the centre of attention. They wanted God to be the centre of attention. They wanted Jesus to be high and lifted up. You know, we're entering into a season for this place where we're saying with those six things, the same thing really, we could dilute it to this. We want to see Jesus high and lifted up in this place for his glory, not ours. Matthew 6.33 says... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Oh, that God 
that we would be able to stand before God and maybe even write on that thing, you know, this thing. Do you know what? I think there's enough space for a reply on this. We just need to say, here I am, use me. But if you want to write more, you can write more. But I mean, basically. Right, principle three. I told you, we're not messing about this morning. Principle three. Right. This is deeply spiritual. Ask yourself, am I a mirror or am I a window? Okay. A mirror reflects yourself. A mirror reflects my abilities, my strengths, my wrinkles. A I don't know whether you've ever thought about this. This is, this is probably quite cerebral, but a mirror is only good for looking behind you. Have you ever thought about that? You can never use a mirror to look to the future. You can only ever use it to look to the past. Paul, you know, the hero of the faith that we were talking about, he said something about, and I'm going to paraphrase again, he said something about putting off what is behind and that that hinders and pressing forwards. So actually, one of the, one of the principles I see in the, the heroes of the faith is that it wasn't about them. They were, in many ways, they were a window to what God wanted to say, to what God wanted to do, to his ideas. Now, a window shows us beyond our four walls. A window allows light to enter into dark places. A window, I was thinking about this and then I thought, well, a window largely does its job and is never noticed, is it? You just look through it, but you're more interested in what's beyond it. That we would be a people that show Jesus. That people see us and they see him. And they see him high and lifted up. Not that they see us. Not that they see those that consider themselves gifted or special but that they would just look through us. Do you know, I'm so encouraged when, um, when you see people who faithfully serve, and this is going to sound a bit odd, but who faithfully serve but aren't worried about being recognised. They do things even if they're not recognised. Don't we want to be a people like that? Don't we want to be a people that... that This place is known because God 
is using people and speaking through what's going on here. Biblical heroism is not about who I am, it's not about the gifts that I've got, and it's not about what I can achieve for him. Biblical heroism is about his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness being shown through an ordinary person's life. And God can take that, and he can change nations. I mean, that might... That, I suspect none of us are sitting here thinking, well, I can change a nation. Maybe God could change a community if only we got hold of that. Maybe God could change a family if we got hold of that. Paul, that guy, the hero, again, says this in Ephesians this time. He said, it's not about me, it's about the one who can do immeasurably more than I can think or imagine. Can you? Well, obviously we can't, because, you know. Immeasurably more. I had a friend um, say it like this to me the other day. They said this. I made a promise to God that I would live the rest of my life in faith and serve him in any way he sees fit. Isn't that a bold thing to say? I'll read it again. I made a promise to God that I would live the rest of my life in faith and serve him in any way he sees fit. R reminded me um, when I when I was challenged about joining OM, you know that um, that Hannah's on. Um, I said to God, yes, I will go on and be a worship leader <clears throat> in my own humble way. I said that. And through various means, God kind of said, um, I really just want you to go on and serve as I choose that you would serve. I'm like, God, I will be your worship leader. No, I want you to serve. And it took, I was going to say it took God a while, but it doesn't really take God any time at all, does it? It took me a while before I realised that I was dictating to God. So I got to the point where I said, God, I will go and do whatever you want me to do. And, um, yeah, I did. And it wasn't about being a worship leader. It was about however God sees fit that he would use us. And what, what was interesting is he used me in areas, he, he put me in areas that I had no experience of. I was not ready for the task. I was... I was not trained for the task, but God equipped me for everything that needed to be done. Now, can I say, you may not feel equipped for the task. You may not feel ready, you may not feel trained, but God will enable those who say, here I am, use me. I honestly believe that. Can you imagine if all of us stood and said to the Lord, 
here we are, use me. What could God do? I mean, he only had 12 disciples. I don't know how many we've got, but it's more than 12. Paul says it again where he says this. He says in Galatians, he says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what we need to catch hold of. Right, I'm going to bring this to, a, to an end. This is the bit about how does it apply to us? How do these heroes of the faith, what does their life say to us? Well, I want to say to you, rather than being once in a generation, do you know what I mean about that? We, we, spend, we spend our time sometimes looking for those who are once in a generation figures. I don't know. Um, for me and for a lot of believers around the world, a guy named George Verwer was a once in a generation figure. God did something through him that was absolutely astounding. He was a very ordinary bloke. Maybe it's a Billy Graham or someone else. I don't know who it is. But, you know, we kind of go, wow, look at them. Focus on them. They're awesome. They've got to be the focus of it. Whereas actually, I believe biblical heroism is when the ordinary say, use me, Lord. Now, with that in mind, I see a lot of candidates before me for future biblical heroism. Now, I know we feel uncomfortable about this. I told my house group once, uh, I, I, said that, I said to the house group, do you get up in the morning and stand and look in the mirror and go, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you do that? Why don't you do that? Isn't that what scripture says? Can you imagine it? I am. No one does that, do they? But God says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. None of us. I would, be, I would have been really surprised if someone had stuck their hand up and said, yes, I identify as a hero, right? But heroism isn't about what you and I bring. It's about who God is. Those who aren't the finished article, those who don't have all the answers, those who are not able to do it in their own strength. Those who are weary, who are worn, who are broken, who are disheartened, who are lacking faith. Those who are beaten by all that life throws at us. Yet those who are willing to trust God and his word going forwards willing to seek him first and willing to proclaim the gospel of Jesus over everything else. In the next season, in this place, we need people who are willing to do that, to allow God to be God and us to just do whatever he enables us to do. And like I say, all we need to say 
And Paul, Paul sums it up so beautifully in Timothy there. Paul, you know, Paul it reminds me so much of um, David in the Psalms. Don't you love the Psalms? Basically, the psalm, synopsis of the Psalms is, God, I'm a rat, a terrible pe- person. I don't agree with what you're doing, but you're awesome, and I will follow you for the rest of my days. It's okay to say, God, we haven't got what we need because he will provide all that we need. The end of that passage in Timothy, Paul says this, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray.